Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Jackie Mitchell. This is where we pick the best brains in the business world and you, the listener, feel like you are eavesdropping on a really interesting coffee conversation to give you and your business the inside edge. We take a look into the business mindsets of leaders and brands and probe into how they think, feel, learn, manage teams and themselves. We love sharing the knowledge and serve brain food to keep your business mind healthy. To continue the conversation, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. So while our first guest settles in, orders their coffee, grab yourself one and we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the show. Our next guest is one of a friend, good friend of the program, actually. He is a trends expert, business strategist, speaker, author, and uh, I'm sure he walks around with some sort of crystal ball because he always knows what's happening next. Uh, welcome back to the show, Michael McQueen. Thank you so much. Good to have you here now. I have to also say that you have written, is it eight books over the last 12 years? Yeah, it's been a busy few years. But yeah, book number eight landed just a couple of months ago. So yes, it's um, kind of a, a frenetic pace, but gosh, it's interesting because I mean, when you're in this space of trying to keep on top of what's changing, you write a book and by the time it comes out, it's out of date. So there's, you're always kept on your toes, but it's good fun. Well, I was going to ask you about that. Is it because of the industry you're in, you feel the pressure to always be writing a book a year or is that, is that self-imposed pressure? Well, it's a good question. So I think a lot of it is self-imposed. And typically, I'm just a curious person. And most of the books that I write will come out of curiosity. I'll you know, I'll be working in an area doing some research, and that'll unearth something else I hadn't considered, hadn't come across before. And I think, well, there's something else here, and I'll start to dig around. And so the book that came out in January this year was for educators. And that really came about because I'd written a book the year before for businesses about what the future was going to hold and disruption and AI and where the jobs are going to be and all that sort of stuff. And then teachers I was speaking with said, actually, you know what, we need this stuff for getting our students ready for the future. That started that whole process. So, yeah, every book tends to be the result of a, a chance conversation or something I'm reading. I think there's something in this I need to explore more, and then I just, I just do. Yeah, well, as a marketer myself, segmentation's key. So I was actually impressed that you've written one for teachers, and I'm going to predict that I think that's going to be the future of books that certain industries or certain segments are going to be wanting specific to them, not so yeah. generalist. But anyway, that's, yep. that's, that's not my area. It's just I'm putting it out there. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see hunt. what happens. <laughs> uh, now, this next book that you're doing, The Case for Character, or have you released that? It has been released. It has been released, yeah. So it hit stores sort of, um, June, July um, this year, and it's gone great guns, which is exciting because, you know, you release a book in some books, they're really well straight out of the gate. Other ones take a little while to sort of find the market. This one's just hit and gone just um, spectacularly well in the first couple of months. In fact, we just had to do a, re- a rerun of the print. So it's gone really well, and it's interesting because it, has, it definitely came out of one of those chance conversations. And I think it's something that resonates with where a lot of businesses are right, right now. Right now, it's just the to focus on trust. I'm building trust. Yes. If you lose trust with your marketplace, how do you get it back? And it's obviously such a timely theme at the moment. 
Yeah, now that is what I want to talk about. First, I wanted to say I love the term character. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has such depth and richness and it's about behaviour and about the power of emotion and all that stuff that mm-hmm. from a behavioural perspective, I think business people need to be start looking at that. Uh, so I was really keen on that. But as a, as a brand nerd myself, uh, the corporate character side of it was appealing. But then I then went trust is always an area that I'm particularly fascinated with. So let's just have a chat about that for a minute what's your definition of trust michael well i think trust in many ways is the fact that you're willing to make yourself vulnerable to someone else because you are confident they have your best interest at heart and that's typically trust is demonstrated over time people do what they promise they'll do they do what you expect them to do Um, but a lot of it is about personal behavior consistency of a customer experience in a business um, context but relationship as well i think relationship and authenticity are a big way that we we figure out who is trustworthy and who is not. Mm. And so how does a entrepreneur, for instance, or a startup, what should they be doing to invest in building that trust? Well, the first part is, is just being real. And I think for a lot of businesses, this is a challenge because we tend to feel like we've got to almost be walking press releases. Mm. And you know, really in reality, letting, letting the real life show through. I mean, I see around right now, that is therefore you're hearing a plane rev in the background and the reality is that's an awkward thing when you're doing a radio interview, but that's life. That's what's happening right mm-hmm. now. And in, in each of every one of our days, stuff's going on, and the more you can call it out, be real about it, the good stuff and the bad stuff, in many cases it's the, the challenges you're having, the more real you can be with your marketplace. And you see brands that do this really well, they're just uh, a little bit irreverent, don't take themselves too seriously. That's when we build trust because it feels like we're dealing with a human. We feel like we're dealing with people who we can relate to. So... Authenticity is a big part of it, but beyond that, the customer experience, particularly for startup businesses, is vital. Um, the question I often ask clients is, you know, is the customer experience you're offering consistent? You know, or do they, you know, one day they'll walk in or deal with you, or with one staff member it's great, with the next staff member it's not. It's, when there's inconsistency, that's when trust is eroded. So I think consistency and reliability, predictability of service is so important. Yeah, so why is the marketplace today so much more sceptical than they used to be? <laughs> well, I think we've got reason to be, firstly. I mean, the fact is we've had our trust abused by institutions now. I mean, left, right and centre, and the Banking Royal Commission has done nothing for that, but it's not just been the banking sector. It's so many industries that, in reality, haven't done what they promised to do or somewhere along the way lost sight of the reason they exist, which is, to serve their customers and instead started focusing on shareholder returns. And so I think one of the reasons is because we, we have a lot to be wary about when it comes to dealing with businesses. But beyond that, I think the other challenge is that we know so much more than we ever did. Now, we're, we're in something I often refer to as the age of transparency where people are exposed to so much more information than ever and therefore I think expect a whole lot more of institutions than we ever did in the past. Mm. Yeah. So how important is values? So understanding your values and aligning them yeah. with, with your brand, but is it just the company values or personal values? Like what's the sort of um, line in the sand? I think it's got to be a bit of both, but I think the corporate values for most brands, that's, that's where you've got to start. And we've had, you know, values discussions over the years in businesses and we've got them printed on the wall and, the, you know, in the company annual report. But the question is, are you living your values out and do the values you've got as an organisation inform your culture? And it's amazing how often 
a business will say that a value is one thing, but then it lives out something very, very different. The problem with that externally, of course, is that your customers lose trust, but internally, my goodness, it is dangerous. When you've got an organisation that says we really value X, Y, and Z, and then what you incentivize in your staff is different, or what you encourage staff to do is different, and you're almost asking staff to compromise, that, that erodes culture and morale so quickly. And so I think from an internal and external perspective, knowing your values and having them inform your culture is so important. I love the insight from David Morrison. I'm Lieutenant General David Morrison years ago in the investigated bullying and harassment in the military. And he, at the end of the inquiry, said, you know, that the standard that you walk past is the standard you accept. Mm. And any organisation, when you, when you know what your values are, you then know what to call out when you see it that doesn't match your values. That's so important. Yeah. Now, what uh, philosophy or pearl of wisdom do really resonates with you, Michael, on in in your day to day? So you you mentioned that that quite particularly on that, but the case of character. But what is is, is there something that someone said to you once, or something that you've read from a famous quote that yeah. that constantly inspires you? I think something that has stuck with me always was something a mentor told me years ago, which is that um, public victories are always preceded by private ones. You know, whenever you see someone win an award or have some degree of fame, what you're not seeing are the tens of thousands of, of moments where they've made a good choice, often where they've stuck to their values, even when it was unpopular or difficult, um, you know, been a bit unwilling to compromise. So I think that's something that personally I've found really helpful and I've seen really helpful for many of my clients as a philosophy as well. Yeah, and you obviously enjoy speaking. You do a lot of um, pu- public speaking uh, and you're speaking at the Byte Conference, which is in 14th of May 2020, so a little while away. So we're excited to have you as part of that. How do you keep energised to speak in front of so many people around the world? I think the thing I love most is just seeing the difference it makes. You know, when, you see, when you're working with an audience with a client and suddenly something that seems complex or overwhelming seems simple and actionable, I love that moment. I love it when you can present something that, make, that unlocks people's thinking in a very empowering way. And so, you know, I'd, I'd much rather an audience leave a presentation of mine feeling, I guess, inspired or empowered rather than impressed with me and with my content. And so I, th- I think that's what I find most um, rewarding and most valuable about the work I get to do. Mm. And so what advice, just to finish off, what advice would you give, just a little taste test for Byte in uh, 14th of May 2020, what advice would you give a small business entrepreneur or startup into future-proof their business? Well, I think if you look at this whole thing of trust, which is what we'll focus on the most, the reality is in the years ahead, I think customers will place a higher value on trust than they will on things like price, your promise, or even the, the experience that you offer. And I, I think for all of us, trust is going to be one of the most important commodities. We, we have this trust crisis, as often described, and it's not just for big businesses and banks or politicians. This is for every business. You know, we're now, we're now dealing with an environment where people almost, they don't expect the worst, but when the, when businesses fail to live up to what they promised, people go, well, so yeah, you none of you ought to be trusted. And so we're in that environment where people are more sceptical, more cynical than ever. Therefore... This creates a massive opportunity for those who know how to build trust and keep it, and that's what we'll focus on. Okay, can't wait. I'm very excited. Have a safe journey wherever you're heading now. You're always <laughs> flitting around the world, but you'll be coming to the second best 
city in the world, being Melbourne, because I know that you think Sydney's the best, but you know that you and I have disagreed in the past on that. So we'll just have to agree to disagree and look forward to welcoming you to Melbourne on the 14th of May. I really enjoy Trends expert Michael McQueen. Thank you for your rich insights today. It's been always a delight. Thank you. you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Taking Care of Business. We'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back to the show. Our next guest is a futurist, sought-after conference speaker, author and consultant who gives you a glimpse into what's ahead and how you can become fit for the future in your professional and personal life. Forbes magazine rated him the number five social media influencer in the world in his area of expertise. He has just written his 12th book. That's right, you heard me, 12th book, Disruption by Design. Welcome to the show, Gihan Pereira. Thanks very much, Jackie. Great to be here. Really good to have you here. Now, your 12th book, where do you find the time and energy to do all this writing? I know, I know. It's crazy, isn't it? But yeah, look, I really enjoy writing. I really enjoy getting my ideas out there. And uh, quite often it's speaking, sometimes it's training, but I really enjoy writing as well. Yeah. Have you always been a writer, like from when you were young? Well, I come from a family who's been very good at writing Mm. and acting. My mother was an actress. Uh, My two sisters have uh, uh, teachers. One of them's an English teacher. So yeah, maybe I've got it in my genes, Jackie. I think I think that's it's certainly there because it's uh, that's a great achievement. Your twelfth book, disrupt disruption by design. Now, tell me, how did you come up with that title? Well, see, the thing is that uh, lots of people are talking to me about disruption and they're saying mm. our business is going to be disrupted, our industry is going to be disrupted, and a lot of people seem to have you that there's nothing they can do about it. They just have to wait and eventually disruption is going to hit them. And I don't think that has to be the case. You don't have to be a complete disruptor for your industry, but you do have to disrupt yourself in business. And uh, most businesses, especially the businesses that have been around for a while, they get caught up in what's worked for them in the past. So they don't innovate enough based on future customers, future problems, the way the world is changing. And so what happens is somebody else comes along and disrupts their business and their industry. Everyone talks about Uber and what it's done to the taxi industry, but it's a perfect example because the taxi industry has worked the way it's always worked and hasn't really had much incentive to change. And then Uber comes along and most of the things that Uber does, the taxi industry could have done but chose not to do. And so... Uber disrupted the taxi industry. And if you want to innovate and you want to not be disrupted, then what you've got to do is be like those startups who are coming in and looking at the world now and solving the problems the customers have now. So it's kind of like disrupting yourself. So in, in fact, earlier version of the book, I was going to call it Disrupt Yourself, and then I found there are a couple of other books out there already with that name. So um, I renamed it Disruption by Design, and I think that's actually a better name because you're disrupting yourself and you're doing it by design rather than waiting for somebody else to come and do it to you. Yeah, by default or design, it's going to happen. So design's always going to be the preferable path, I'd absolutely. imagine. Absolutely, absolutely. Do you think innovation and- has replaced... Uh, sorry, do you think that the word disruption has replaced innovation in business? Yeah, in fact, I think they're exactly the same thing. It's disruption mm. when it happens to you. It's innovation when you do it yourself. So really, this is a book about innovation because innovation doesn't mean you have to invent the new iPhone. Innovation means finding new ways to solve customer problems, to so understanding what problems there are 
out there in the world and understanding and finding ways that you can solve those problems. And uh, lots of businesses have forgotten their customers. Uh, so they, they started off with the right intent, but then they built their products and services and systems and processes and fell in love with those and forgot about their customers and their real problems. And what's typically happened is that customers have changed. Uh, we know this, that our world is changing really fast, and that means that customers are changing really fast as well. Mm. And if you if you have been tracking your customers, great. But if you haven't, then you're in trouble. So I, I think one of the best examples of this, Jackie, is Netflix. So Netflix provides high-quality movies in the home for people. Now, it started off, it's now one of the biggest um, streaming companies in the world, online media streaming, but it starts as a DVD rental company. And they knew that they're competing with Blockbuster. And the problem that Blockbuster customers had was they never, they, they liked renting movies, but they didn't like returning them. So Netflix solved that problem by providing a, a return service. So you could rent movies from Netflix and then you could, you know, in a post pack. Uh, and that worked really well. And mm-hmm. then what happened was the, the industry changed and technology changed, so the broadband internet became really good. And Netflix said, oh, there's now, now a new way to solve the customer's problems with new technology. So they gave up their a physical DVD delivery business and they went into online streaming. And uh, so then they were solving the same problem, getting movies into people's homes, but in a different way. Um, and then the, so the movie companies initially were really happy with Netflix because it was another way for them to license their content. But then they became a bit wary because they saw Netflix as a real competitor to them. Mm. So they stopped licensing it. So Netflix now, had they had their own problem. They still want to provide high-quality movies, but they weren't getting the content. So they created their own movie studio. And again, what they were doing was looking at what the problem that the customer wants solved and how can they solve it. And they went through all these transformations because they didn't stick to what they thought would work really well, like at the start. They didn't try to do better DVD delivery. They looked at what's the problem that we can solve for our customers. And that's really what innovation's about. It's about looking at your customers, their problems, and how do we solve them. Yeah, that's a, that's a great, great example. Now, with uh, the terrible story recently of Thomas Cook, uh, what what are your what are your views on that? What, uh, why do you think they failed? Yeah, so without going into any specific business, mm. uh, this, this is one of those industries, the travel industry, that like many others, it is an industry where the the power has shifted, and it shifted from the business or the industry to their customers. So it used to be, and I remember the days, Jackie, when if you wanted to book some travel you had to go to a travel agent. Mm. This is pre-internet, pre-web, because you couldn't get the information anywhere else. Um, I mean, you could ring up the airlines, but uh, you'd be on hold for an hour. Uh, You could ring up hotels, but you'd have to find where they were, and it's not easy to do that. So you'd go to a travel agent, because a travel agent would have access to all the information to be able to provide that service to you. And that's changed now. So now customers have the information, and they come into a travel agent with their with their itinerary sometimes planned out, and they know exactly where they want to go. They want they just go to the travel agent maybe to to get a better deal from them. And uh, it, this is not just in travel, but it's in many industries as well. And um, car sales. It used to be that if you go to a, when you want to buy a new car, you go to the dealer, and the dealer had all the power because they had all the information. Uh, so recently, we bought a car for my stepson, and 
we went in with all the information. So we did the online search first. We found the sort of car he wanted. We had a look at um, what it would be worth and what a second-hand version of the car would be worth. We could look at exactly how much it would cost if we were going to finance it. So we went into the dealership with all the information. And this is what's changed now. There's so many industries and businesses that used to have power because they had information, and now they don't anymore. Mm. And it doesn't mean that they have to go out of business. It just means that they haven't understood the shift in power now. So the customers come in with information, so you have to partner with them to provide the solution rather than being the one who has all the information and can be an advisor to them. Yeah, so disrupting yourself is a great strategy, but let's take it back a bit. What are some advice that you could give entrepreneurs or business owners is just how to stay ahead of the game. So rather than wait to be a Thomas Cook and it's been around a long time and all of a sudden the business has collapsed, what are some of the techniques or tips of keeping ahead of the game? Yeah, sure. So I think a really important thing to do is if you're a business owner, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a leader and you're an experienced leader, just be careful because your expertise that's got you to where you are now isn't necessarily what's going to be uh, taking you into the future. So one of the most important things that you can do is listen. So listen to your customers, listen to your team members, uh, listen to other stakeholders uh, so that you can find out what's actually going to take you into the future. And I reckon one of the best things you can do is listen to people in your organization, even the really junior people. So in the book, I talk about mentoring, which is really good. It's something you should do. You should share your experience with other people. But there's also reverse mentoring. And reverse mentoring is the idea that instead of you, the more senior person, mentoring the junior people, do it the other way around. So one of my clients, who was the CEO of a, a law firm, she just retired, and she used to do this. So she would, every three months, she would choose somebody or ask somebody a younger to mentor her. Like younger, went younger in one of three ways. Either they were actually younger in terms of age, mm. or they were younger in terms of how much experience they had in law, or they were younger in the firm. So that was a, a, a new recruit, um, could have been at any level. But Janet would go to that person and for, for the next three months, every week or so, they'd have a coffee together and Janet would be the person being mentored. Now she was really experienced. She was the CEO of this firm but she was smart enough to realize that here are other people who had different expertise and different perspectives about how the firm should run. And she would just be there. She would give the person permission to uh, give any sort of suggestions, advice, experience, and then she would be the one who was learning from it. Just, just one example of being a really good listener. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great tip and great advice for anyone listening is that reverse mentoring because you're not over investing uh, your resources but the other thing too is that it's tapping into the generational shift so it's not sticking in your lane as far as your generation is concerned it's actually really engaging and getting an understanding of the millennials which do think differently than other generations before and and they are the future so i think that's that's really 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 good tip yeah thanks jackie and the other thing i think about yeah, those generations and you're exactly right is that yes yeah, somebody said to me uh, i heard a speaker say recently um, nobody likes change. We all hate change, but we have to go through it. And I don't think that's true. There are some people who like change, the millennials, Gen, X, uh, Gen Y, mm. and, of course, they love change. 
they embrace change. They're mm-hmm. bored if they if they love change. They embrace change. They're mm-hmm. bored if they if change isn't happening. And why aren't we looking at them to be our teachers as 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 we're going into the future? They're the ones who actually are looking forward to change mm-hmm. and. Everyone's saying the world's changing too fast and it's changing too fast for us. We don't know what to do. Well, there are people in your team, in your business, that actually do know what to do. But maybe you're not taking advantage of them because you're just seeing them as really junior people who don't have a lot of experience, they don't have a lot of insights, they don't have a lot of wisdom. And some of that might be true, but they've also got other things that you may not be tapping into. Yeah, look, that's that's a really nice way to finish. Uh, now, if people want to find out more about you and your ideas, where would they go searching? Um, look, I reckon the best place to do it is to start by going to disruptionbydesign.com.au. Okay, that's good. And you're on Twitter and you're on LinkedIn. Uh, your book, Disruption by Design, Leading the Change in a fast-changing world. Do you think it's the fastest the world's ever been from a business perspective or is it just a moment in time? No, no, it's definitely the fastest. I I had another speaker say recently, something which I don't think is, uh, it sounds clever but it's not really that profound. He said uh, the world's never been as fast as a change has never been as fast as it is now and it will never be as slow again as it is now. And that's true. But what's changed is that in the past, the change was happening slow enough for us to be able to adapt to it. Mm. And uh, so we, we would go through, like literally humans would go through uh, many generations, like three generations and uh, in a century. And in that century, there wouldn't be a huge amount of change. It was still happening faster than before. But now we're going through that kind of change in a, in a couple of weeks or a couple of months. And so we need to be able to adapt without, uh, in a way that we've never had to before. So that's the biggest change that's happened, Jackie. And it, it means that you know, businesses used to be able to succeed by building on what they've done in the past. And that's just not the case anymore. Now what you've done in the past might be holding you back from success in the future. And that's what disruption is, is really all about. It's you being able to change faster than the world's changing around you. That's a nice way to finish. Gihan Pereira, thank you so much for your foresight, insight and time today. Thanks so much, Jackie. My pleasure. Thank you. You're listening to Taking Care of Business as we eavesdrop on the best brains in the business world. We were right back after this. Welcome back to Taking Care of Business. Our next guest is a great friend of the program. He is Australia's leading tech futurist. Welcome back, Steve Sammartino. Oh, wonderful to be here, Jackie. It's always good. Your energy, I can feel it across the airwaves. <laughs> Me too. I can feel it in my skin. Yeah, that's it. Now, you're, um, you've authored two best-selling books. I just want to start with that. One was The first one was The Great Fragmentation, and the second one was The Lessons School Forgot. Uh, how has that gone, and when's the next one coming out? Oh, good question. So the book went really well. It got translated into a number of languages, Chinese, Italian, Korean. Wow. Uh, and it's gone really well. And I think the reason it went well is that school was designed for us to get jobs and school was designed for us to be compliant in the industrial era. Mm. And we've graduated from that, to use a pun there about the book, we've graduated mm. from the industrial era and now we're in the digital era, which means we've got a new set of rules on how business is done 
And to thrive, we've got to know what they are and how to use the rules and the tools. And if we know that, this is the greatest time ever to be alive. Yeah, certainly business has gone through unprecedented change and it's happening so fast. A lot of small business owners and entrepreneurs are struggling to keep up and this is where you come in because you give people a great insight into what they need to be paying attention to. Absolutely. That's the thing that you've just nailed there, Jackie, is when you're running a business, and I've done this, I've had a number of small businesses. I had my first business, an organic egg farm when I was 12. I had a clothing company. I've had dot-com startups, so I've been in there. And when you're running a business, here's the thing. You're all day, every day, looking at your customers, building your product and your services, serving your customers, and what you don't have is the time to look outside of what you're doing. You're so busy keeping the ships afloat and working on the business that you've got. You're in the business. You don't have time to look out of it. That's where I come in because what I do all day, every day is look at new technology and new tools to show people tricks and tips on how they can be more efficient, serve their customers better, and I'm the shortcut. So you can manage your business and then you come and you hang out with me and I'm going to show you the tricks. You go, oh, I never thought of that because you're so busy running your business. I'm going to come in and say, here's how you can connect with customers easier. Here's this efficiency tool hack here. Here's a great way to get connected with more customers. Here's a way to get your prices up. Here's a way to get people talking about you in the media. And I show people those hacks because I'm out there looking at the opportunities while everyone else is running their business. So we really need each other. Yeah, now I know in 2018 you spoke to over 100,000 people and hopefully you influenced a majority of those those brains. And uh, I know that you and I are involved in a conference, the Byte Conference, which is business, innovation, tech and entrepreneurialism. And you're speaking at that coming up very soon. But what's really exciting about that as well, speaking of shortcuts to information, is that you are actually hosting a lunch, a workshop lunch there as well, aren't you? Yeah, this is the executive roundtable. That's what we call it here. It's a lunch where you come in, and what's beautiful about this is we get the whiteboard out there. We get everyone to come in with their most pressing business challenge, right? Their most pressing business challenge. It might be something about staffing. It might be about finance. It might be about promoting. It might be about using tools of technology. You come with that, and the fresh eyes of the experience that I've had around the world with all the different businesses that I've run, and I've worked with Fortune 500 and startups, with your questions on, gee, I've got this challenge. The good thing is I've seen those challenges before. And what I can do is say, here's the tool you should look at. Here's how you can approach that problem. And then the other people in the room, they go, I've had that problem too, and here's how I did that. And then the guy who had that problem has got some solution. They've already found that another guy with a different problem doesn't have. And what we do is we explore these ideas in a crisscross fashion. And the end of there, we all walk out with simple solutions and things that we can do. So by having that roundtable session where instead of just listening to what someone did, this is where we dig in and go, how do I fix this thing? How do I solve that problem? How do I grow here? How do I save costs there? And we crisscross and have this executive roundtable. They are the most powerful things that I do in my career. The most powerful things I do are these sessions with different people in different businesses. Everyone walks out saying, that's the most valuable thing I've done in a number of months. So I just can't wait. Yeah, it's the power of face-to-face too, isn't it? I mean, you can get up on stage and you obviously see someone from a distance, a lot a lot of stuff online uh, clearly, but that face-to-face is the most powerful <sighs> thing. The number one technology humans ever invented is language. <laughs> it is the ability to communicate with mm. each other. 
skin to skin where you can see the sweat on someone's brow and you can feel the emotion. It's, you know, it's one thing to broadcast information, but when we get across the table from each other in an intimate session, we get the espresso flowing and we're talking to each other. And all of a sudden, we're like, wow, we're helping each other. And that intimate, that intimacy of the session means that we can, we can bring things up that are, you know, that are sensitive, things that we, we worry about that keep us awake at night. And everyone in the room is there for the same reason. And all of a sudden, we've got this sort of authenticity about really asking ourselves hard questions about the truth and how we might be able to solve them. And that's something you just can't do online. That's something you just can't do when you're standing on a stage. It's it's that small room with a, a number of people talking just gets a different result. And you know why? That's the way humans are at their best. Yeah, it's a real paradox, isn't it? Because particularly you're in the tech space and so with the you know advent of digital technology, everyone, particularly businesses, go, well, I need to be online, I need to be on social media and they sort of hide behind their computer. I'll send an email, send a, pick up the phone or face-to-face and this is this really curious paradox that we're in now in business, I think. So, Jackie, this is the time for my favourite business story. So first I just want to start by saying that um, – Technology and efficiency and algorithms, that they're all designed just to, to do the efficient stuff, right? But the human stuff is what matters. Now, let's imagine this for a second. Imagine that email had been around for 50 years before the phone. Imagine email was invented before the phone. Just imagine that, mm-hmm. right? And then someone said to me, hey, Steve, can you just send me an email about that thing we've chatted about? Or can you send this person an email? And imagine if I said to them, oh, have you heard of this new thing? It's called the phone. And they'd say, what do you mean, phone? Oh, what it is is it's like a real person that's in the room with you, but it's on this little device and you put it to your ear and you can speak to them in real time real time, and you can feel their emotion and you can get an answer instead of going back and forth seven times like you do with an email. It's amazing. It's called the phone. It's so much better than email. And you know what? We act like email's better. The phone is way better. And that's because it's leveraging the initial technology of humans, right? And so... What we've got to do is use technology to just confirm things and get the efficiency, but technology should be used so we can have more time with humans. Yeah. Right? That's the art of tech. How can I use the technology so I've got more time, time more with, face yeah. time with people? I love it. You, know, you I go love into it. the Apple Store, right, and you see what is it filled with people. That's the world's biggest tech company. Apple Store filled with people. Mm, I love it. And I also love a segue. And we know we're talking about the Byte conference. And uh, one of your sayings or, that I like, uh, your quotes, is when the belly is full, the brain is empty, stay hungry. And then that yes. led, leads me to another segue that you're doing a pilot TV show at the moment called Future Sandwich. So we're feasting our minds, Steve. Tell us about Future Sandwich. Yeah, so Future Sandwich is a new TV show that I've done a pilot for with Tommy McCubbin and it's going to be going on free-to-air TV in Australia. We're in, in the middle of discussions with a couple of broadcasters. I'm very, very excited. We're very close to getting that finalised. And what it's about is all the new technology shaping our world. And each episode starts with uh, a sandwich and the sandwich is delivered via a technology. In our pilot, we had the sandwich delivered via a drone from a cafe to the studio, world first. And uh, basically, we're going to have every episode is about a different topic. It might be artificial intelligence. It might be the future of healthcare, the future of food. It's a little bit like a top gear for tech. And what we're going to do is arm Australians with all the knowledge they need to understand the tech and think, gee, here's how I can use this in my life. And here's the, the, good, the good things I need to know about. Here's some potential risks and downsides. And really, just in an entertaining way, 
you know, Teach Australians about how our world's changing. And I've got to be honest, I reckon we've had enough of these shows, people arguing and getting married online and all this crazy stuff. I reckon we deserve more. I reckon the Australian populace is ready for something that's entertaining and educational. And if no one's going to deliver it, then I'm going to step up to the plate and be the person who does it. Love it. Very excited. So any idea of when that's going to be uh, released? Yeah, it'll be um, early next year. So it'll be the new TV shows coming to air next year. Excellent. So, Everything's happening in 2020. Everything. 2020. It's that year. It's like that thing in the future when 2020 comes. We're nearly there. I know. And I'm waiting for someone to, you know, redo their, their vision and call it a 2020 vision. I'm sure it's happened. Uh, where, <laughs> where we all see things a lot clearer. And uh, I know, Steve, when you speak, those in the audience start to look at their business through much clearer, clearer lens. So I look forward to Bite Conference. Seeing you there, Steve. And as always, stay hungry. Thank you. Stay hungry. Stay hungry. Thanks for your valuable time. We love picking the best brains in the business world here on Taking Care of Business. We'll be right back after this. That's the end of another stimulating show. We hope you've enjoyed eavesdropping on our conversation, picked up some tips, learned something new, or at the very least feel inspired. If you just joined us, you've missed a lot, but the podcast will be available on my social media, Jackie Mitchell. Thank you to our worldly and thought-provoking guests. We look forward to your company next Friday. In the meantime, keep taking care of your business mindset.